the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Wouldn't that be something if three billion of God's children on this earth had that goal to bring forth the kingdom of mercy, to bring forth the kingdom of justice, to bring forth the kingdom of peace? And if three billion of his children on the earth did that this year, we would do what the Christians did in the first century. We would turn this world upside down. Last week, pastors shower, give God the day. You've already had the opportunity when the eyeballs flipped open. Eyeballs flip open, there's already something running around in your head. Probably something going on in your life. And here comes David, and he had something running around in his head. And he changed the channel in his head. Because he wrote in Psalm 103, excuse me, Psalm 118, this is a day that God has made. Whatever is running around in his head, he switched gears. He said, get out of my head. I'm going to write this down instead. This is a day that God has made. This is a stewardship thing these four weeks. I'm glad we haven't headed to money, haven't even talked about money yet. Because you have to have a foundation. Before you head to, ha- head to money, you have to have a foundation that leads you to that territory. And as the Bible says, if you give out of compulsion, if you give because someone forcing you to, if you give because the money looks bad in the bulletin, if you give for any other reason than God has grabbed hold of the heart, infiltrated it, and changed it, and you're given for the wrong purpose and the wrong cause. We lay a foundation. Give God your day. Let him seep into your day. Let him flood into your day. Let him infiltrate your being. And then when you've done that, we come to today's theme. Give God your worship. Give God your worship. Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. The longest writing about a commandment is the commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 1,500 years before Jesus is born, Moses writing that down. Give God your worship. Six days shalt thou labor, six days shalt thou whatever... And the seventh day is the day of rest unto the Lord. God labored six days, it says, and on the seventh day he took his rest. 1,500 years later, the author to the Hebrews, he says, Hebrews 4, 9, There remains a Sabbath day's rest for the people of God. 
We ought therefore to rest from our own labors, even as God did from His. Strive to enter the Sabbath day's rest, so that you do not fall away from the faith, so that you do not become weak in the faith. Strive to enter Sabbath day's rest. If I ask you, can I meet with you Monday night, you'll say, no, no, that's my bowling night. If I ask uh, whether I can meet with you on Tuesday night, you say, no, 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 no. Uh, that's gymnastics night for my daughter. If I ask can I meet with you on Wednesday night, you say, no, 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 that's my bridge night. If I ask whether I can meet with you Thursday night, you say, no, 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 that's when I'm taking my art classes. You understand the intelligence of God. Our lives, God be praised, have many, many things in them. Violin lessons, piano lessons, union meetings. I work out at the gym, you say, five days a week. I'm doing this, that, or the other. God understood it back in Moses' day. Monday is the day I have... Go to the camel races. And Tuesday is the day I join together with the farmers in the community. And God says, I want one day for me. Do you understand how zealously we protect the things we're involved in? That's bowling nights. I never mess with bowling nights. That's the night I have yoga. Never mess with yoga. What happens to a Sunday? Well, if they want to schedule football practice Sunday morning, I guess uh, that's, that's where we'll be. That's where I'm going to drop off my child. You see what I'm saying? God says, I want one day. And in our setting, it's not one day. It's about three or four hours. Counting prep time and makeup time and getting here. And then you're back home. God said, one day, half a day, where you and I can sit down together. And then uh, you can ask. And I'll give answer. You can seek. And you can find out everything you possibly want to know about me. My caring for you, your purpose in life. You knock, and before the echo of the knock finishes, I'll already have the door wide open. That is worship. That is worship. Pastor Shower said last week, the most important thing you'll ever do this year is to grow in your knowledge of him. Because as you grow in your knowledge of him, it affects everything in your life. I had uh, German for six years. Three years in high school and three years in college. Uh, I haven't used it in ages. best you're going to get out of me is guten Tag. Okay? If you don't lose it, use it, you lose it. That monster called Greek that you have to study in seminary. 
day I graduated, the last day I looked at the Greek. Couldn't tell you anything about Greek now. This is what he means. You take piano lessons and then you don't take them for some months or some years, man. You're, you're like a rookie starting all over. I used to play bridge. I haven't played in so long, I don't even know what that is anymore. This is what God means when he says, Remember Sabbath day's rest so you don't fall away, so you don't become weak in your faith. Why should we worship? It's God's day. He's a good negotiator. You got six days. If you want to run 40 miles a week to prepare for the Chicago Marathon in October, go ahead and do it. If you want to be in three softball leagues in the spring and two bowling leagues in the fall, go ahead and do it. If you want to work 80 hours a week and you can, you can negotiate that with your wife and your children, good luck to you. Go ahead and do it. But I want one day... One day for me, you and I sitting down. It's God's day. It's also God's house. It's also God's house. It's not the Methodist denomination's house. It's not the Lutheran denomination. It's not the Catholic denomination's house. It's God's house. I don't care whether the church is 160 years old like this one is, or whether you had your start last year in 2018. I don't care whether your church seats 10, the Lutheran church in New Haven, Indiana, if it's still open, or whether it seats 1,000 or 20,000. It's God's house. It's not the building committee's house. It's not Shower's house or Strand's house or Gleegee's house. Or the teacher's house. It's not anybody's house. Not Harlow's house. It's not the priest's house. It's God's house. That is why you should come to worship. It's God's house. Maybe grandma has already sent out invitations to you. To come for Easter dinner. And when the invitation comes from Grandma, there are certain emotions that are touched. You have warm memories of Grandma. You have warm feelings for her. And when she invites you, you call back right away. You say, save a seat for me. The crazy uncle might be there, but it's Grandma who's invited you. It is God who has invited you to his house. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name. He's talking about worship in my name. He's not talking about where two or three are gathered together to go bowling or to play bridge or anything else. Where two or more are gathered together in my name for the activity of worship. I'm sitting right there in that small group. I'm sitting right there in that sanctuary. There might be 20,000 others in that sanctuary, but I'm here. There might be two others in that sanctuary, but I'm here. And when God is here, there emanates from Him the power, the love, the wisdom, the presence, the awesomeness of God. It's 
God inviting you to come. Hebrews 10.24, Pastor Tower read it. Do not forsake the assembling together of my people as a manner of some is, but come together to worship me. Come together. You have warm feelings about Grandma. You go. You have warm feelings about God. Do you have warm feelings about do you have warm feelings about God? The weddings, if you're so married, the births of the babies, if you're so blessed, the job that came out of nowhere. How many blessings last year, 2018, that you could write down in your diary? And how many blessings yet you will never, 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 never know ever happens because God took care of them quietly? That car accident that you don't even know about, that when you get to heaven, how close was that? I didn't even know that was going to happen. Do you have warm feelings about God? Do you pray to him with the heart? Do you wake up with him in the morning? Do you have warm feelings about God? That disaster of last year, 2018, that disaster, that diagnosis of cancer, that loss of a loved one, I'm still asking you, do you have warm feelings about God? He was with you hand in hand, was he not? And you knew it. That's why he showed up on Christmas Eve when you had no business showing up on Christmas Eve because someone from the outside, not a Christian, would say, you should be so angry at God. And you show up on Christmas Eve or you show up on a Sunday morning. Do you have warm feelings about God because of some blessing or because when the darkest day came, you knew he was holding your hand and you actually said to other people, how does anyone get through this? Without God, he is inviting you to worship God's house. And finally, it's God's people. It's God's people. When you're on the commuter train, you're a Christian, but you're one single individual. When you're at work, you're a Christian, but you're one single person. When you're in the fraternity or sorority, you're a Christian, but you're one person. When you're in the locker room at Oak Forest High School, you're one person. When you're in the locker room in the Chicago Bears, you're one person. Still a Christian, living for him, speaking the words he would have you speak, uh, the actions done that a Christian should do, but you're one person. But when you come into a sanctuary, you're not one person anymore, you're an assembly. And there is power in an assembly. There is an energy that comes from others. There are stories that come from other Christians that encourage you and strengthen you. 
is one person, the coach of the Clemson Tigers. He's one person. But when they put that microphone in front of his face, as he's hoisting the championship trophy, as his football team just beat Alabama, put that microphone in front of his face and what comes out of his mouth, I give all glory to my Lord and my Savior. He doesn't say, I give all glory to God. He said, I give all glory to my Lord and my Savior. He said, how blessed these players are, how blessed I am by my Lord. How blessed are these coaches and these fans to be allowed by my Lord to be part of something so wonderful. He's one individual, but he's standing for the kingdom. And five million people are hearing him stand for the kingdom. Where does he get that from? He belongs to an assembly. And that assembly does what this assembly does. We grow in our knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the more you grow in your knowledge of him, the more you love him. And the more deeply you love him, the more earnestly do you want to serve him. And the more earnestly that you want to serve him, the more fervently do you proclaim him and look for opportunities to do it. And when that microphone is put in front of his face, out come the words. Some reporter asked him the next day, why in the world will you do something that crazy? You've just won the national championship. Why in the world would you make a religious statement? And he looks at him in shock. Because Jesus is the most important thing in my life. I live him and I breathe him. And when I get to heaven, God is not going to ask me, how many trophies did you win? How many championships did you win? He's going to ask me, what was your relationship like with my son? How earnestly did you serve him? We are God's people. Second Peter 2.9, you're a chosen generation, a holy nation, a special people, called forth by God to sing forth his praises. Are we perfect? No. There's crazy uncles in every family. Maybe you're the crazy uncle. Maybe I am. There's crazy uncles in every church. Are we perfect people? No. King David wasn't perfect. Murder and adultery. Moses wasn't perfect. Abraham wasn't perfect. None were perfect. Simon Peter wasn't perfect. None, none, none. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. None perfect, only one, Jesus, Hebrews 5, 8. Where people will listen to the voice of God so we can know him better in 2019, be transformed in our minds and in our spirits to know him, to love him, to serve him, to proclaim him. Closing word, 
Uh, that's why you should worship. Question, who should you worship? Who should you worship? You look down at the babe of Bethlehem, you look up at the risen Lord. Who should you worship? Hebrews 12, 2. Let us, let us, it doesn't say let me, let us, united action, fix our eyes, definite action, definitive, let us fix our eyes, single aim on Jesus. What is worship? I said it at the opening prayer. Worship is extreme devotion, intense love, and admiration of any kind. Extreme devotion, intense love, and admiration to a sports team, a person, a friend, a bank account, to a job, to a hobby. Extreme devotion, intense love, and admiration. The Clemson coach does not have extreme love and admiration for football. He has extreme devotion, intense love, and admiration for his Lord and his Savior. Here's a mom and dad. They have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. It is a very, very busy street they're going to cross, and then they're going to be in an arena for a show, and that arena has 5,000 people in it. Mama already has a knot in her stomach because she has a three-year-old and a five-year-old. She says to the child, hold my hand. Dad says to the other child, hold my hand. There is a, there is a inflection in their voice. And the three-year-old and the five-year-old understand there's no room for negotiation here. The temper tantrum isn't going to work here. There's no discussion here. This is an imperative. This is a command. Hold my hand. There's life and death going on here. In Hebrews 12, it is the same. Hold my hands. No negotiation. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Life and death matter. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Give God your worship. Go bowling. Go to the gym. Go to your art class. Please, please go to your yoga class. But one morning a week, give God your worship. And if he gets inside of you someday when someone puts a microphone in front of your face, you might not say it to five million, but you'll say it to one per person. One person who's hungry or thirsty because they need God. You'll say to them, let me tell you about my Lord and my Savior. Give God your worship. It is the best thing you'll ever, 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 ever do in your life. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, that's my prayer for myself, for my family. 
for my grandchildren, for this congregation, that we will come to know him better than ever, that we'll come to love Jesus more deeply, that we'll come to serve him with renewed enthusiasm, and that we will proclaim him more boldly, to know him, to love him, to serve him, to proclaim him. This is our honorable worship to our Lord and to our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.